You're listening to a Military Life Media podcast. Hi, I'm Beth Rayner, and this is the Military Life Podcast Parents Edition, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, and supports the parents of military kids and ADF members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, valuing our stories, and sharing information. Let's do this together. There's everyday life, then there's a life in defence. There's nothing else quite like it. And for me, there's no other bank that understands this the way Defence Bank does. With products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses, 30 on-base branches across Australia and an award-winning banking app, they just get defence. But don't take my word for it. Others agree, in fact, they were recently awarded Defence Services Bank of the Year by WeMoney, a unique bank for a life like no other. Visit defencebank.com.au today to find out more. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Mark Rogers from the University of New England and lead researcher of the Early Childhood Defence Programs. Hi, Beth. Great to be here. Well, thanks for coming back on the podcast. For those who may not have heard about EC Defence Programs, can you tell us who EC Defence Programs are and what they're all about? We're a group of researchers and also a steering committee and lots of volunteers that have come together in order to build or co-create research-based resources that are free for young children from defence and veteran families. Why exactly were the resources needed? There's programs and support services that exist within the defence community, but what was it that made you and your team realise that the resources were needed? Yeah, so I did my PhD looking at children's experiences and their understanding within military families within Australia, so defence families. And I looked at two and a half to five-year-olds' experiences, understandings when their parent deployed and just other aspects of military family life and veteran family life. And the parents and the educators revealed to me that there was a total lack of age and culturally appropriate resources for young children. And when I looked up resources, there were some older primary school resources and there were resources that were from other countries, so from the US and other countries, but they weren't really particularly culturally appropriate or age appropriate for the children. And this meant that the parents and the educators said they felt very unsupported, they were really disappointed, and they felt like, why don't we matter? Or why don't the young children matter? They were really annoyed that it it felt to them like the message was that learning only began once they started school, rather than what we all the research tells us is that the most important time for learning is in the first five years of life. And they were very bitter that the military and the organisations that supported military families were not filling this need of providing them with resources to help build resilience so that the young children could cope in military and veteran families. People were telling you, those with lived experience and with young children were telling you that this gap existed, but previously you hadn't had a connection to defence. You aren't a defence partner. You haven't lived defence life. So that was really about you connecting with that part of the community that you didn't even realise needed such resources. No, I, I came from a family that my immediate family wasn't in defence, but I had many cousins that I grew up with that were in defence families and veteran families 
families. And I also had cousins who had chosen to go into defence in the next generation. And they had also said that there's just no resources, but they hadn't specifically said anything about children's resources because that conversation didn't come up. Or perhaps it was because there was just a lack of resources for families all over. And so that wasn't specifically targeted, but they were always complaining about a lack of care for the family and a lack of consideration for what it did to families being part of the military and veteran community. And like you mentioned, your expertise is in early childhood and all that impacts young children. How important is it that the right resources and the right support is given to kids that aren't yet school age? Because as you mentioned, that time zero to five is where children are impacted the most. You can connect with them and they need that support and those resources the most. Absolutely. So children are learning how to be in the world, where they belong in the world during this time and how to cope with their life. And so there's a lot of social and emotional development during that time and a lot of cognitive you know language learning happening and there's also that sense of belonging that's so important that children feel that they're part of the Australian community and if you have a look at the Australian children's resources or Australian children's literature leading up to this time before the project there was actually no stories showing young children from defence families until that stage and so by the time I did my PhD and so if they're not in the children's literature, then it's very hard for them to gather a sense of this is a family that's like me. This is a family that I can connect to. This is my life being reflected back at me. And so that's why it's really exciting that the books that we've created do that. But also we've got the Defence Kids also creating books in this space. And that's really wonderful. It, it, you know, we can't have enough of that happening. Where did your actual funding for all of the resources and all that you were doing come from? Often organisations and individuals who see a gap within support services or a need for various resources often face challenges in regard to people thinking that defence already support defence families in that way or there's organisations that already exist to support people with things like that. And like you said, there can be that assumption that, oh, well, there's resources for school-aged children and there's this program and there not be that realisation that there's still a gap and there's still a need in this area. So how did you go about finding funding and being able to go forward with all that you do? Yeah, it was a really tricky space. So we had created some resources um, from the data from my PhD, just ad hoc and very low budget resources. And we used that as a springboard to say, look, we really want to fill this gap with some really quality research-based resources, but we don't have funding. And so sometimes we'd get back answers saying, oh, well, you know, Defence will take care of that. And we said, no, <laughs> that's not what Defence are funded to do. So it's other organisations. So we did get two letters of support from one from the DCO, which is now Defence Member and Family Support, and one from Legacy Australia saying that we really think that these resources would fill a gap and that they needed. And so that helped us and the work we'd already done to be able to get some money from the Ian Potter Foundation through the Early Childhood Grant, um, which we're really excited 
about and then we managed to leverage that funding and get some more funding from the University of New England where I work and also from the Foundation of Graduates of Early Childhood Studies and so the combination of the three is what we used. However, it fell far short of what was needed so it's been a lot of volunteer hours basically to make these programs and these resources what they are. Last time we spoke you had done the research and you were in the process of putting together the pilot programs and writing the resources from the research. How did the pilot programs and the resources go once you got past that research phase and into the next phase? It was a really interesting time to be working back because we were creating these during the pandemic. So our first steering committee meeting and the steering committee is made up of people with lived experience and professionals who support military and veteran families experts in the field of education, psychology, military family research, counsellors, people like that. And we were coming together on Zoom and writing, co-creating and co-designing these resources. And then we also had a, a very large process of editing and that was done by retired academics, retired preschool teachers, other people, peers, other people with lived experience, veterans, etc. And it was a very intense time to get all those programs and resources ready and the books as well. And then once they were ready, we then had a really good uptake of people signing up to be part of their trials where they got to test drive the resources. And then we had waves of lockdowns. So (laughs) the number of people who signed up to do the trials and then the numbers who actually filled in the surveys was quite different, but we just understand that it was a a really busy time for the participants who were parents and educators and family workers. So there was a lot of stress in the community, but we got some really good feedback and that has been instrumental. So we're able to get some feedback about why they thought they worked and how children's lives were able to be reflected in these storybooks, but also how they were able to learn to become more confident to support their children or the children that they worked with during times of military family stresses and veterans stresses within their family. And they were able to assist the children by creating conversations and using the books as a a touch point um, or a springboard for conversations about what was happening in their own family. And then we got some feedback that was about how we could improve the website, the usability, the terminology, things like that. So that was really useful to us and we implemented all of those. And then we got some feedback that we haven't been able to do yet or enact yet. And that was more about how it could be tailor-made for a certain family or an educator who's had children in her service who was doing particular or experiencing particular stresses. Having all these resources was great, but if somebody just came in and said, look, my child's experiencing this, this and this, or this, this and this is happening in our family, which modules and which storybooks would be best for my child? They're three years old, say. Then we're looking now at trying to link up with some artificial intelligence programs so that we could actually do that tailor-made program for each parent and have that in some sort of app or platform where they knew what to do next. So that's really what's been happening and it's been control trials and then putting all the resources together with the feedback and making them better and then releasing them online and they're all available now on the website. 
What was your experience of that journey? What would you say in regard to doing the research, you can see that gap, then you're able to go forward and produce the resources and the pilot programs and then get the feedback from the community. What has that journey for you been like to see it come full circle? Really exciting, actually. I was able to do a lot more because I didn't have to go to work because I was working at home. And so you just have more creative space and quiet space to be creative. It also meant that the time we had set aside, because initially when we put in the funding application, we said that we would travel to certain bases and implement the programs with early childhood educators and families. And we didn't do that because of the pandemic. So we did it all online. And that meant we had money to create more resources. So that was really exciting. Sometimes we get tired because it was an exhausting, very big project. But what kept us going was we would meet up biannually with our steering committee and they would just carry us over the line because they were saying, oh, they so need, and I met this person in my work the other day and they need the resources and we needed them yesterday and, and can you keep going? And they would buoy us along. And so that was really exciting. And now we're up to the really lovely stage of the project where we get to go around to conference and things like that and show what we've done to organizations and we've had really good support and really good volunteer support as well and that's kept us really invigorated. Yeah and to also think that if you hadn't have received that feedback and initially and then gone forward to investigate further in regard to what gaps there were and the support that was needed in that area for defence kids and defence families, that none of this would exist and there would still be that gap and there'd still be those families and those kids saying, we need this or I didn't even know I needed this until I found it. Because sometimes you can go into defence life and we know that zero to five years, they're critical years, they're important years, but we don't actually know how defence life impacts that. And we don't know how to mitigate those impacts because we aren't given the tools or there isn't the research or there isn't the resources to help with that. So it's kind of like we're just kind of muddling our way through and hoping for the best. And to think that if you hadn't have gone forward and your team hadn't have gone forward with what you're doing and pushed for funding and done all that you had done, there would still be that gap and there'd still be those people missing out on that support. Yeah, we're really encouraged and sometimes people will email us or contact us through social media and say, oh, my child loves this book, this storybook, or my child's really related to some of the activities that the educator's been doing with them through the learning modules online. And that's really heartening and it's really exciting to see that that research gap has been I wouldn't say field, but it certainly has started to be addressed. I think there's always room for more players in this area. I don't think we've captured everything. And I think the exciting thing is that there's more resources and more supports that could be created, especially for veteran families, I think. And let's face it, all defence families become veteran families eventually. And so I think, you know, definitely some more funding and some more research in that area, I think would be really worthwhile. We had a very, very close partnership with Legacy Club Services and they have been amazing. 
We really were blessed but with the people that got involved in this project. We also have now a collaborative agreement with Open Arms, the Department of Veteran Affairs, who provide counselling for families and also members. And they recommend our resources and link on their website to our website, which is really exciting. And we've also had some interest from international allies and they include the Canadian Institute of military veteran and health research and they're wanting now to use our resources because they realize they've got a gap over there as well and so they've got together a committee that has organizations such as atlas which is a little bit like our legacy and other departments and agencies who work with veteran and military families and they're looking at adapting the books and the online learning modules for canadian families and they can do that because it's all done under a Creative Commons non-commercial license. We don't make any money from it. And so we're more than happy for them to, to use the resources and adapt them. To see the fact that also impacting families overseas and being able to be made use of for other communities in other locations internationally for those gaps as well. And to see that it just takes one person to push forward with an idea or a commitment to fill a gap or a need and to have a wider impact Look, it's nice that you say one person, but <laughs> uh, I, I sort of stand at the front of the organisation, but I'm surrounded by amazing people who make this happen and it's not a project for one person. I think I'd be <laughs> in a puddle on the floor if it was one person. So I do have amazing researchers, people with lived experience and also volunteers behind me and people within my organisation who are able to give me that technical support that I need to do this important work. And also we've had people who are on the steering committee that have young children that are in defence themselves or teach young children from defence families and they've been championing this project for a very long time and it's really been amazing to have them on board. Often they've just given us what we needed at the time, whether it was just a little email of encouragement or just a, hey, this is going really well and, and wow, haven't you done a lot since we last met? So it's very much a team effort. I have the privilege of being able to chat about it and talk about what we've done, but it really is a team effort. Of course, supporting defence children in the zero to five category also has ongoing impacts within the community for when they then go to school and access the supports that are available through school and the other supports and services that are available. So not only does it lay the foundations to support defence children in that age bracket in those critical years, but also it lays foundations for them later in life as well. Absolutely, Beck. Everybody who researches in this field has come to the same conclusion that what happens in those first five years is critical in laying that foundation. So if we can get the resources and supports to them in those young years, and our resources are for children for as young as two up to eight-year-olds, but if we can get that right in those young years and provide families with these free resources that are research-based, that have been co-designed by people with lived experience and co-created and co-authored by them, then that's a stepping stone into the direction that we need to go. We want children from defence families to be well. We want them to be learning. 
We want them to feel like they're part of the community, not only the defence and veteran community, but the wider community. And part of the philosophy behind the books is that they could be read in learning environments and classrooms so that other children that they're in school with or that they're in early years learning service with will understand what these children are going through and understand about empathy and be able to better support them. Because we can't expect that the children that are not from defence families or educators or family workers have a real idea of what defence and veteran families go through and what the children in those families experience and and the struggles that they have with understanding about parents working away, frequent relocations, you know, parents coming back and they're a bit different, you know, or parents coming back and not knowing how to connect again with the children because the children have changed and the partner has changed, everybody's moved on. And so there's always that transition and military families and veterans families, the whole life is transitions. It's just one transition after the other and they just get over one transition and another one starts. So these resources are really designed to assist with those transitions, to prepare for them where that's possible and to assist with that deployment cycle, that training cycle where they go away and come back in the family, relocations, parents who come back with an injury or a mental health condition, just building that understanding that the children know what's going on. Yeah, and often that connection and that understanding is just huge in itself. So to be able to have resources and support to back that up is amazing. And in saying that, you or the program has been recognised recently with an award. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we're super excited about that. So we are joint winners for the 2022 Council of Humanities, Arts and Social Sciences Award. And we were recognised in a year that they had the most applications I've ever had, they said, because the types of projects that normally win these awards are arts or creative projects. And during the pandemic, many of them couldn't come to fruition. So we're really excited that we received the award, but also we received it in the most competitive year they've ever had. So what that means is we get that award and we we can um, put that on our books and tell people about it. But they recommended us for it, the jury recommended it for us because they said that we had led a very big team during the pandemic, which, you know, has inherent difficulties, but also that we had created something that was meeting a need from the research, but also we had used really creative methods and innovative ideas to do that. And the fact that we'd used co-design to do that with people with lived experience. Yeah, just amazing and awesome to be recognised, especially since there's been such interest within the defence community and the wider community, but then also internationally as well, just to be recognised for all of the effort that the whole team has put in the need and the gap that you have filled and the ongoing impact that what you and your team have created through the resources and the pilot programs and now the the online resources is just amazing to see. Thank you. You've done the research, you've created the supports, the programs, the resources that you wanted to, but you mentioned from the feedback in a perfect world, you'd be able to go even further and create that app and tailor what you're doing to the specific needs of individual defence families and defence children. If you had all the funding in the world, like what would be the next step? What would be next? And what, what more needs to be done within this space? 
Yeah, I think we've done quite a bit with military families. I think we really need to write a book about relocations because I think a storybook about that showing, you know, a family relocating. And I know that's very generic, but for military families, it's it's something that they experience so often. And it's such a disruptor for young children because it's their little world and they know this little space. And now we've got to have a new space. And then very soon after we have another one. I would love to write a book about that. I would also like to write a book about moral injury because it's something that I think defence members sometimes experience and that has an impact on family life. And I think that's something that our Canadian partners, some of them are interested in pursuing as well. We've started and we've made a good start to create resources for young children from veteran families, but I feel like we've only just scratched the surface. So in an ideal world, somebody would give us some more money and we would be able to work in that space a little bit more. Something else that we need to think about is we've created a website and everything's linked to that and the learning modules and the books and that's all great. But in a year's time, funding will be used up and then how do we set aside time and how do we set aside money to keep those resources up to date with terminology, making sure links to things work, all that type of thing. So we're just toying with different ideas at the moment, the steering committee and and the researchers like what could that look like? All that we've spoken about is amazing. If they're listening and they think, oh, well, I think I want to have a look at those books or I want to have a look at the online resources, or I think that these would be great to give to my child's early childhood service or whoever's connected to their defense kid. What exactly can they access? Like how many books are there and what resources are there and how do they go about accessing them? Great question, Beck. So basically, we have a website. Your listeners can pop on there and they can recommend them to defence school mentors, school teachers, early childhood services, and also family workers, uh, if they're in touch with social workers, anyone who or any organisation that supports them in some way or their children in some way. The resources are for mainly for two to eight-year-olds, but also helps educators and family workers and parents gain confidence and skills skills in being able to understand what the children are going through and what they experience in these families and some of the things they experience in the military community that are very positive because there's lots of positives about being part of a tight-knit community as well. So they're all available. We have 12 research-based storybooks. Eight of them have interactives. The resources with that come with each storybook are downloadable, free puppets and puzzles based on the characters in the books and they have have literacy and numeracy activities. They also have board games and card games based on the characters, matching games, sequencing, storytelling, just to help the child really engage with the characters and to be able to act out some of the parts of the book, but also act out what's happening in their family as well and build their resilience, build their emotional connection with other families who are experiencing this. Three of the books are really just for veteran families, so they're not a let's all read this storybook. They're really for veteran families who have actually experienced 
parent coming home with an injury or a mental health condition. And then we've got some books that are just generally about parents working away and they just as suitable for a FIFO Dido family or an emergency service family as they are for defence. They have got defence families in them, but they're a broader one. And so they're particularly popular with classroom teachers and early childhood educators as well. But everything's available there. It's all available online. The modules are divided up into modules for children, learning modules, and also parents, educators, and family and social workers. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Marg, and telling us all about EC defence programs and all that you've been able to accomplish since the last time that we spoke and all that's yet to come and the support and connection with the community and the gap that you're feeling for all of those defence kids that were otherwise missing out but are now being supported thanks to your resources and your books. Thanks, Beck. And I'd just really like to shout out to the families that brought it to my attention in the first place that there was such a gap because they were the ones who really recognised that there was a gap and that there was a problem and that they were feeling so isolated and alone. So it's really them pushing me to do it that was the catalyst for all of this. And I think we always need to remember it's those with lived experience that really know what they're talking about and really are able to voice their opinion and be advocates for their children, which is exactly what happened in this project. Definitely. You're preaching to the converted here. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know exactly what you're saying. Lived experience, it just cannot be underestimated. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 